Good morning, everyone. I'm Mark, and uh, we are in the fifth week of a series through the book of Nehemiah. Uh, five weeks ago, Pastor Eric started us off uh, talking about the, the uh, about the seeds of a vision uh, from God and what where that comes from. And he talked about how allowing our hearts to break for the things that breaks God's heart is the is really the inception point of uh, a God-sized vision. And he talked about uh, allowing yourself to, to cry and to shed tears for the things that breaks God's heart. The next week, Pastor Dan uh, told us, talked about basically being prepared and being in a place to be able to respond when God calls you uh, to the vision. And then the following week, I talked about, are you ready? Are you ready to, to go public and really cast that vision to uh, people that God has uh, uh, circled around you? And then last, uh, last week, we talked about words and how words can give life or, or, or words can give death. And, and basically, how the words we use uh, can can breathe life and vision into people of what can be and what should be. Today, we are going to be talking about opposition. Anybody know about opposition? It's a foreign, foreign word or... We all have, have experienced opposition, right? I, I, that's, that's something that, that is kind of a, a universal truth or a universal experience that we all have is, is we face opposition. And uh, the thing about, you know, vision and, uh, and opposition, they, they go together like a horse and carriage. I mean, love and marriage go together like a horse and carriage. Same, same is true with vision and opposition, that they, they go together like a horse and carriage. Uh, and why is that? Because vision, number one, are very easy to oppose. Uh, that that, that uh, there's something about it. As soon as you cast a vision that there's going to be opposition because they're not solid. You know, the very nature of a vision, right? You think misty vision, right? It's not a solid, concrete thing. It's, a, it's an idea of what can be and what should be, but, what, but it is not what is. And that's the whole nature of a vision. The other thing is that visions attract opposition. Something about them. Just uh, you want to you wanna raise a God-honoring family, that's your vision. You want to raise your kids or uh, in a way that respect God? Or you want to run a company based on biblical values? Or you want to, you know, have a community that, that uh, bases its, its ideas and its actions on Scripture? That, that those kind of visions are going to attract opposition reasons why you, you shouldn't or couldn't or why it can't happen. Visions are also very difficult to defend against. Again, why? Because they're not solid, that, that it's a thought of the future and nobody knows exactly how to get there. And then 
The last thing that's true about visions is visions usually die at the hand of opposition. It, it pains me to think of how many God-sized visions that, that, that he's entrusted to someone that have died because just the opposition was too great. The reality is whenever you attempt to bring around change, there is going to be opposition because people love the status quo. Maybe scratch that. Maybe people don't love the status quo, but they love the status quo more than they like the, 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 the scary thought of something being different. You know, we even have sayings like the devil you know, right, is better than the unknown, the devil you don't know. And, and kind of this idea that, that, you know what, it preys, visions and moving forward and change preys on people's insecurities. It preys on, on, on people's just fear that, that something may be worse than what they are currently experiencing. But the reality is, is this. Andy Stanley wrote, a God-ordained vision always has more questions than answers. A God-ordained vision always has more questions than answers. And because of that, a God-ordained vision is going to, to attract opposition. Oh, yeah, you, you want to you raise your kids to honor God? to honor the Lord in this world? How are you going to do that? You see, visions are what, not the how. What do you want to do? I want to, I want to run a, a, a company that, that is based on biblical principles that bring glory to God. I want to raise a family um, that... that honors God. I want to have a church and to be part of a community that upholds biblical principles and values. Those are the what's, but how do you do that? You know, what are the, 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 the nuances of how that comes into being? And that's different than the vision. That is the plan. See, the visions are the what, not the how. A vision is what could be and should be where, where a plan is a best guess on how to get there. You want to raise a God-honoring family, it's like, okay, well, you know what, that's the vision, but, but how do we get there? Well, you know, the best guess is, all right, find a, a biblically-based church to be part of. You know, have Bible studies with your kids to be able to to be able to point out God in the in the everyday to them. Those are those are the plans that are the how, but it's basically everybody's you know kind of your best guess to get there. So visions are hard, and Nehemiah knew all about opposition. Remember Sanballat from week one, and I think week three. He was the he was the Samaritan Samaritan uh, Samaritan uh, governor up in uh, the north, and 
He didn't like Nehemiah's idea, his vision, one bit. And uh, for many different reasons. Number one was that, that by rebuilding the walls and, and bringing glory to God and reestablishing the system of worship, which we talked about last week, and reestablishing the, the economic center there, that it would take power away from him, that there, people may do commerce in Jerusalem instead of uh, his governorship. That, that, that people would stop going to his stores and maybe start going to Jerusalem stores. And, and there was all sorts of things that he didn't like. He didn't like the change. So we pick up in Nehemiah chapter 4. And, and in Nehemiah's journal, he writes this. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian and officer, army officers, what does this poor bunch of feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think that they can rebuild the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stone from a rubbish heap? And charred ones at that. Tobiah the, the Ammonite who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse even if a fox walked along the top of it. In my mind, you know, this kind of exchange, for some reason, I kind of picture Sam Ballad as this kind of like, uh, kind of like husky, kind of, you know, just kind of man's man, you know? Like this, this guy, he's all tough and rugged and like a real tough guy. And then, and then, like his his slacky, you know, uh, or his lackey, you know, s s sidekick, you know, like in cartoons where you have the macho guy, then you have like the kind of the the weird, you know, kind of uh, guy. Just you know, he's just latching on. He wants to be cool like the big guy, but he really isn't quite there. And 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 Sam Bell is all like saying, you know, yeah, this, this, and this, and this. And then like Tobiah's all like, yeah, yeah, and, uh, and that stone wall would collapse even if a fox walked along top of it, right, boss? <laughs> I don't know, that's just my picture of what, like, what's going on, because it's like ridiculous <laughs> what, what he says. But what's going on here is that, that Sam Ballot is criticizing every aspect of Nehemiah and the Israelites. He first criticizes their character. He's like, poor, feeble Jews, you know? Kind of like, they don't have the character, they don't have the backbone to complete this, this, this job. He also criticizes their, abil their ability. You know, they don't have any skills. They think by just worshiping God, because remember that was the first thing that he did was reestablish a system of worship. They think by, by you know, offering a few sacrifices that they're going to build a wall? I don't know anything about building a wall. Why don't they just go and worship their little God, right? So he criticizes their ability. He also criticizes their commitment. Notice how he says a single day. They don't have the stay with it you know, power that it's going to take to build this wall. Maybe they'll, you know, maybe they think they can do it in a day. Ha, 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 you know, kind of thing like that. He also criticized the feasibility of the project. He's like, Psh, 
Are you kidding me? You can't build a stone wall out of garbage and charred garbage at that. It's just, it's insane. And then again, Tobiah just kind of throws in, he's like, yeah, and the fox thing, you know, and even if they can build it, right, boss? You know, that kind of stuff. So, you know, you, this is true, though, in, in, in every single one of our lives, you know, that, that, that we face opposition when we want to do something and move forward for the cause of Christ. It's just the way it is. You know, that you want to raise your kids in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a biblical home, in a God-fearing home, and, and people will criticize you. Oh, come on, it's, you know, what harm? It's just a, it's just a movie. They can just watch the movie. Or, oh, you know, you want to go to church that day with your family, but, you know, it's just one Sunday or something like that. You know, we come under constant criticism all the time. In fact, one way to know that you are moving forward is the presence of opposition. And it's just, there's this, the very nature of it. If you are doing something and moving beyond where people normally go on their own, you will experience opposition. And it is a great no way to know that you're moving forward. If you're not experiencing any opposition in your life, you're sitting here going like, I haven't been opposed in years. Chances are you are not moving forward with a God-sized vision in your life. So what's Nehemiah do? You know, he's just been criticized, his character, his ability, his uh, commitment, you know, his feasibility, and even his competency. What does he do? He prays. It's interesting. We're going to see twice where he comes under opposition, and the first thing that he does is pray. And I love this prayer that, that, that he gives. This isn't like a nice little prayer. It's not one of those prayers where it's like, you know, God, you're a good God, and, and, uh, and thank you for today. The sky was pretty, kind of stuff like that. No, this is, this is quite a different prayer. He's under opposition. He's under the gun. And, and he gives one of these prayers, which I call a Lieutenant Dan prayer. You remember Forrest Gump where, where he's on Forrest's shrimp boat and there's that big storm and Lieutenant Dan climbs up in there and he's like yelling at God, that's all you got, blah, 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 blah. So Nehemiah is about to give a Lieutenant Dan prayer. And I think a lot of times we think we have to go easy on God. You don't have to go easy on God. God can take it. So, Nehemiah prayed, Hear us, O God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads. And may themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins. For they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. I, I love that. They've provoked you, God. Me? I'm cool with it. 
you got are really angry right now, you know? And I, you think about this, this prayer. He's like, may their scoffing fall back on their heads. Okay. May themselves become captives. So God, I want you to have people laugh at them. I got... Next, I want you to have invading armies come in, destroy them, and take them captive. And you know the, the whole forgiveness thing? Scratch that. I want you not to ignore their guilt, and I don't want you to cover their sins. No free love, hippie New Testament Jesus for these guys. I want them down, and I want it now. This is a good Lieutenant Dan prayer. You're here going, he's just like, but again, it's you, God. I mean, I'd forgive him personally, but you're mad here. So, uh, you know, I just, just, just this raw, just honesty to God. And it's interesting. I just, uh, I'm sure it's more complex, but in his, in his journal, the next verse, he says, at last the wall com- was completed to half its height around the entire city for the people had worked with enthusiasm. What just happened there? We have Sam Ballad and all of them uh, coming in and they're opposing and they're scoffing and they're criticizing. And what does Nehemiah do? He prays, gives it to God, and they get back to work. They don't do anything else. And because of that, they move the vision down the field. But then, you know, a lot of times we think, oh, okay, you know what? The farther along that we go, the less opposition that there will be. It's not true. I heard a pastor of a large church once uh, say in a, in a talk to a bunch of pastors, he's like, you want a larger church? You want, you know, more people or bigger buildings or this? Or that? He goes, you know what comes with more? more. I was like, brilliant. But what he was saying here is like, you know what? More comes with more. More more opposition, more arguments, more disputes over, over vision and direction. And I think what we see here is that, that Nehemiah is having success. The people of Israel are having success. But the opposition is increasing in, in the same step as they are having success. Verse 7, but when Sam, Ballad, and Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and uh, Ashadites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were re- being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. See, what's going on here is if you can picture Jerusalem, and uh, then all of these guys were actually around him. In the north was Sanballat, in the east was the Amorites, in the west were the Ashadites, and in the south was Tobiah and the Arabs. And they're coming up with this plan to surround the city and destroy it. You ever feel like you're surrounded? You ever feel like it's coming from all sides? That you, 
you're, you're on your knees and you're like, God, I, 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 I feel that you have called me to do this. I feel that you want me to have a God-honoring family. God, I, I feel that, that, that I, you know, I know that you want me to run my company with, with, with biblical values. God, I know you want me to be part of a biblical community. So why am I going through so much opposition? Why is so much opposition coming to me? They knew that uh, because of verse 12. The Jews who lived near the enemy camp came and told them again and again that they were coming from all directions to come attack. You have this kind of this idea that, that Nehemiah is sitting there, he's praying, he's trying to get his work done, he's trying to do all this stuff, and these people from the outskirts keep on coming again and again. Hey, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. So what does he do? He prays again. But not only does he pray in verse 9, but they also guarded the city day and night to protect themselves. And here you have this kind of this, this changing of, of the implementation of the vision. And I think a lot of times that, that we, we kind of like get wrapped around the axle of, of just like, well, we were meant to do it this way or it's always been this way. But, but this idea of prayer and then change. Prayer and then change. All of this opposition that is happening. And... I think of that for Nehemiah, it's one thing to have the opposition, you know, Sam Ballot and Tobiah and all those other guys, you know, no big deal. You know, this is your house and, and those guys are like the woodpeckers, right? They're sitting there and they're pounding on your, on your wood unless you have like hardy board like me. And it's funny when the woodpeckers come and pound their beaks against the concrete I mean, it's one thing, and, and it's like, well, it's a woodpecker. But what really gets you, I think, and really probably got Nehemiah was the termites. It's one thing to have opposition from the outside, but when you start having in opposition from the inside, when, when like your spouse and you start to argue or your kids start to argue with you or people in your workplace start to, to question and complain about, about a vision that you believe that God has given you or in your church. And that happens in, in verse 10. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired and there's so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall again by ourselves. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what is happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. And at this point, after all of this kind of this opposition and, and Nehemiah praying, he, he, he recasts the vision. Remember, keeping the, the what in front of people because nothing has really changed. The, the, there's more opposition, but the reason for what they were doing was still valid and still there. The walls being broken down was still a testimony of how they saw God. And it was still a testimony of, uh, with the walls broken down, that worship and commerce were disrupted. So, 
So we have Nehemiah recasting the vision in verse 14. He says, Then I looked over the situation. I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Kind of this idea that, you know what? We are all in this together. And I often say that I don't believe that there's a lot of problems in, in life that a family or a company or a church cannot overcome if you bind together. If your family finances are, are messed up and, so, you know, a mistake has been made, you can overcome that unless people start fighting within your company may have had a bad quarter or, or a bad year. But you can overcome that. Unless people are starting to infight and, and point fingers. Churches can overcome enormous amount of adversity as long as the people in the church bind together in Christ Jesus and be solution on the solution side instead of the problem side. So he prayed, he recast the vision, and then he revisited the plan. Again, visions are refined, they don't change. Visions are refined, they don't change. The wall still needed to be built for all the same reasons that it needed to be built before the opposition. People raise their families uh, with biblical principles before there's opposition. They want to do that before opposition. The, the vision doesn't change. But plans do. Plans are revised. They seldom stay the same. You see, this is where a lot of churches and families and companies get into trouble. It's where, where they get confused and they think, oh, we need a new vision. You know what? The vision is the same. The vision here is the same as it's been for 2,000 years. The vision is you know, living out the, the great commission and the great commandment. That's the vision is to go out and make, mature, and mobilize fully devoted followers of Christ. We don't need a new vision. But what churches need oftentimes is to revisit and change the plan. You know, make, mature, and mobilize fully devoted followers of Christ in in the first century looks a heck of a lot different than it does now in the 21st century. Companies, the same thing. This week, Borders Bookstore, bankrupt. Borders Bookstore in the 90s were a giant. They put out mom-and-pop bookstores all over the place, that their business model of a behemoth bookstore where all the books were in one place just was an amazing business plan. But then Amazon came along and, and, and uh, uh, Barnes and Noble uh, changed their, their strategy. And before long, nobody went to Borders anymore. Not because there's anything wrong with books. There's nothing wrong with the vision of trying to get books in the, in the hands of people. Just the plan on how to do that had changed. So visions are refined. They don't change. Plans are revisited, and they rarely stay the same. 
So how did he revise the plan? But from then on, only half of my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on the work with one hand supporting their load and the other hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeters stayed with me to sound the alarm. I mean, think about the radical change. Half the workforce is now just been drafted into the military. You know, you think of Nehemiah, if he said, all right, here's the, here's the plan. And originally, when he wants to rebuild the wall, that you're going to have to carry rocks in one hand and a sword in the other. People will be like, why? Who's going to attack us? See, the vision has remained the same, but the, the, the implementation had changed. And then in verse 19, he says, Then I explained to the nobles and the official and all the people, the work is very spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear a blast of the trumpet, run to wherever it is sounding, then our God will fight for us. So this idea of rolling out the new plan of how the wall is going to be fixed. Now, Another thing that's true with vision and making vision a reality is it's going to be always harder than you think it's going to be. In verse 21, Nehemiah writes, We worked early and late, from sunrise to sunset, and half the men were always on guard. I also told everyone living outside of the walls to stay in Jerusalem. That way, they and their servants could help with the guard duty at night and work during the day. So you can do guard duty all night and work, you know, during the day. Isn't this great? During this time, none of us, it gets better. During this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with me, ever took off our clothes. We carried our weapons with us at all times, even when we went for water. I think there's a translation thing there, but yeah, that was a joke. Thank you for catching it. This idea that, that is always harder than you think it's going to be. But that doesn't mean that it's not worth doing. So just to kind of sum up, Nehemiah's response to, to, uh, to opposition can really be our model for responding to opposition. When we're faced with opposition in our family, in our companies, in our churches, the first thing we need to do is go to God and pray. And it can even be a Lieutenant Dan prayer. The next one is recast the vision. Why are we doing this in the first place? Is it still valid that, that you know what, we want to have a place where faith, authenticity, and emerging culture meet? Is that vision still valid? And then revise the plan if need be. You know, does it make sense to, to meet in a coffee house? Or does it make more sense to meet in a, in a warehouse building or, or, or whatever? Constantly asking the question, what is the best way to make the vision a reality? So, and I w- want to just uh, kind of transition really quick, though, to this. 
is what should you do if the opposition or the criticism from the opposition is valid? You know, the truth is that a lot of times criticism can be valid. Chances are that you won't have the necessary experience to do what God has called you to do. Chances are that you will not have the financial resources to do what God has called you to do. Chances are you will not have the necessary skills to do what God has called you to do. Chances are you will not have any formal training in doing what God has called you to do. And chances are probably people before you have failed. Does that mean that the vision is not valid? No. Not at all. Let me point you to, you know, a young couple who are pregnant and they're praying and want to raise this child up to, to be a follower of Christ. Do they have the necessary experience? No, they're 20-something. They don't even know which way's up, right? Do they have the financial resources? I. When we had our first kid, we definitely didn't. We still don't. Necessary skills? No. They have formal education on how to be a good parent? And have other people tried with no success? So, what if the, the criticism is valid? Here's the answer. And I want to write this down. So what? If it's from God, so what? Because the question is, is it about you or is it about God? Is it about your power? Is it about your experience, resources, skills, your education? Or is it about God? Last scripture. It speaks directly to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. When Paul was petitioning God about how he needed things removed from his life so he can serve God better. Essentially, you know, God, you know, give me this, this, and this, and I'll do it better. And this is how God responds. My grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. You see, when we build our walls in the name of God, when we step out and grab hold of a vision that God has entrusted to us, it's not about us, it is about Him. And even though opposition will come, you will know that they are not opposing you, but they are opposing the very will of God. And you were not chosen because you're smart enough or have the skills or the right thing, but you were available to be part of God's plan and he can have his power show best through our weakness. You guys pray with me. Dear God, we all face opposition. just the very nature of growing. And God, as we grow 
And as we are refined, God, I just pray that, that you will protect our hearts and our minds and that you will be our power and that we do not take that responsibility on our own. God, I just pray for anyone here who feels like they're being oppressed right now, that they're being opposed from all sides, that they will know that you are with them and that you are in control and that you are God and that we are not. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.